You go ahead and have a seat. We'll get ready to study, but a couple things first. Uh, if you did join in any way, we had our uh, week of prayer and fasting this last week. And with that, we were able to really enjoy drawing near to the Lord. And, you know, if you make that a regular habit um, to just, you know, it's a good discipline to fast now and then and to be able to uh, separate ourselves from the world for a little bit to just pray and connect ourselves to the Lord. Um, And so we had a great time this last week doing that. Now, uh, the quick update on man camp. Uh, We had planned to go on our men's retreat, we'd call it, but now we just call it man camp, uh, November 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Uh, we had a mix-up with the retreat center, and they had a mix-up with us. Uh, not like a bad mix-up, you know, not nothing like that, but uh, just we had some dates that were different. And uh, and so basically they said, hey, so we'll see you October 20th, right? <laughs> and we said, no, 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 we planned on seeing you in November. And so uh, just some, some things weren't right on calendars and just an oversight, and so... Um, as we prayed and we're seeking the Lord, we said, well, you know what, let's do this because uh, even so, I think we were going to be cutting it really close for some reason or another. We just don't have a lot of men signed up for the retreat this year. And so we're going to take a year off of retreat. We already scheduled next year's retreat. So men, next October, be ready. You can put your deposit down now. No, just kidding. Uh, but, but what we will do is a one-day thing here on Saturday, just like a 8 a.m., to 3 p.m., two really good meals of food, but two better meals in the Word of God. And so, men, I would encourage you, just come on out. The guys who are going to come up and speak at the retreat, they're just going to come here now and speak here. Uh, you will not be disappointed. Come and just seek the Lord, hear from Him. Uh, cost is only going to be $25 now instead of 100 and whatever it was. And so if you've already paid, go see Jeff. He'll refund you your money. Uh, if you had put your deposit down of $25, but you're like, I don't want to do this, he'll give you your $25 back. Or you could just say, hey, leave my name on the list. I'll just come on one day for 25 bucks. Whatever you want to do, but men, uh, just highly encourage you to come out for that. And it's not as much, you know, I know if the holidays are coming, maybe money is a little tight. Maybe that's why uh, for the retreat. But whatever the reason, now we can uh, just fellowship on a Saturday. All right? So with that, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Again, Pastor Zeke is out today, so we just continue on in 1 Corinthians whenever he is not here. Now, The whole chapter just goes together so beautifully, and it's 31 verses. I would like to do the whole chapter, and so some might go, I don't know that we can do 31 verses in one sitting, but last week we did 34, okay? So let's see if we can do this. Now, we will, though, read and pause. Usually we read the whole thing, and then we come back, but for now we're going to read through 11 verses, And then we'll pause and we'll talk about that. Okay, it says in verse 1, 1 Corinthians 12, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Verse 4, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences in ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one, verse 8, is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, as he wills. 
So now we're getting into this portion, and if you were here last week, we said that chapter 11 kind of begins this new section talking now about church order. The prior few verses spoke about uh, the way we would not want to stumble our brother with our liberties. Uh, And so now switching from that, he's going, okay, here's order in the church. And you remember last week, we talked about the Lord's Supper, how they were doing that wrong. Right? We talked about what the Lord's Supper should look like. And then we also talked about women praying and prophesying, whether they're to wear a hat or not, or cover their head, or have short hair or long hair. And it, and it was a whole lot of stuff. And so you could, you know, pick up the podcast on that. Uh, we won't need to go through all of that. But as he starts out, he says, now concerning spiritual gifts. So, so he was talking about the things not to do, but he says now, now, and, and you'll notice your, the word gifts in your Bible may be italicized, which means it's something, it was a word that was added in there by the translators. So really it could read now concerning spiritual or concerning spirituals. Because he's been talking about the carnality of these guys, hasn't he? So many of the things that Paul has talked about in 1 Corinthians has been addressing the carnality of these guys. Saying, here's all the corrective things I need to tell you as it regards to you guys taking sides, being rude to one another, uh, uh, you know, stealing from one another, just doing those bad things. That's all the carnal stuff. Let's get into the spirituals and how we should talk about spiritual things now. And he says concerning spiritual, but it does fit gifts because the context of the chapter has to do with the giftings. And so he says, I don't want you to be ignorant. Ignorant is not a bad word. It's not a rude word. Some people use it and say, oh, well, you're ignorant. Uh, And they say it with a really, you know, kind of bad. To be ignorant means you just don't know correctly. And so he goes, guys, look, I don't want you to not know. Now, it's funny that Paul the Apostle, three times in the Word of God, talks about not being ignorant. He says, I write to you so you don't need to be ignorant. In Romans chapter 11, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant about God's plan for Israel. Here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. And then in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant of the second coming of God, or the second coming of Christ. Uh, And it's funny that most Christians... These are the areas that sometimes we're ignorant because we're like, I, I, I don't know. I don't want to talk about it. It's just kind of, kind of seems weird, you know, especially when you get into like spiritual gifts. You're like, that's kind of the weirdness part. And I kind of like to just keep that door closed because it's weird, right? Um, some people go, oh, the second coming of Christ. Gee, that's, I, I don't know, kind of scary. I, I, let's just keep that door closed. You know, what does God really have in mind for Israel? I, I don't know. Let's just, and he says, guys, these are things we don't want you to be ignorant about. So that's why he writes about it. And I love that about the word of God. I love that about the Lord is that he doesn't leave us with most things to go, hey, just figure it out. You ever start a new job and they go, hey, uh, just go ahead and you know, figure it out. And you go, well, well, what's the job description? Well, you know, just, just, you know, you'll figure it out as you go. And you go, and I don't know if, if you're anything like me, I was like, no, I won't. I won't just figure it out by myself. I need... Uh, I need you to explain to me why we're even doing what we're doing. I remember one time my buddy goes, hey, I, I wanna, I'm going to train a few guys in this jujitsu stuff, you know? And I'm like, I have no idea even what that is, means. I don't know anything about it. You know, like MMA. I go, still don't know what that means. Okay, mixed martial arts, you know, that it's the wrestling UFC type. Oh, okay, why? Like, what's the purpose of this thing? Or we just, you just want us to start, like, wrestling each other. Like, I don't get it. I'm not a fighter, you know? And so when they, they had to explain to me, and I felt like we had to sit at a table and talk for 15 minutes, and I go, oh, okay, I get it now, okay? And in most things, and I love this about the Lord, that he says, let me explain to you how this ought to work so that we're not left to ourselves to even start doing things incorrectly. Now, verse 2, he says, now you know that you're Gentiles. You were carried away to these dumb idols, However you were led. You know, whatever was happening, he goes, look, I know you guys came out of this worship of pagan gods. You came out of this worship where you would worship a statue, where you'd go into the temple, and there was some really things happening there, weird things. And he goes, and that's, uh, it was pretty dumb. But however, you know, you, you were led that way. And one of the things he's going to talk about is that, hey, uh, you don't just take the way you worship that idol and just go, okay, now I'll just take that same method, the same way I worship that, and I'll just transfer that to God now. He says, there's going to be a difference. 
We don't just take, and this is the danger, I think, in any culture, is sometimes we can worship God within the context of our own culture or with, or with what we've taken out of our old lines of thinking. And we apply those to the way we worship God. Because what happens is now the Corinthian Christians are behaving improperly with spiritual gifts. And so he says this, verse 3, Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. No one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. This would be a reminder if you're a note taker from John chapter 15 and 16. You could read those chapters on your own. But the Holy Spirit's work is to testify of Jesus. It's to glorify him. It's to take of what is his and give to us. The job of the Holy Spirit is not to promote himself or to promote any man, but to bring glory to God, right? To point to Jesus. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Because here's what's happening, as we've seen many times within Corinth, that the people were taking the spiritual gifts and they were kind of dividing on them. They were kind of separating themselves based on their gifts and they were even competing with one another as if some gifts were better than the others. And, and, and so he says, no, 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 the focus is Jesus. With all these things that work together, and we'll get into the way they work together. But what he says in verse 4 is that there are diversities of gifts, there's, but it's the same spirit. He says there's also differences in ministries. There's also going to be diversities of activities. Now, these gifts, we see the word gift. We see the word um, uh, ministries, and we see the word activities. Gifts would seem to be the, the all-encompassing umbrella word, but then there's going to be different ministries, things that are ongoing, things that seem more like an office, and then there's going to be other ones that are activities that seem to happen now and then, and that would be a little more of what we're looking at today through this lineup of, of verses that speak of more manifestations of the Holy Spirit, things that happen, not always, sometimes they can't always happen, but they don't always, always happen. And so we have these gifts and these manifestations, but there's diversities and there's differences, and that's a good thing. He says that because all of it, there's the same Spirit, the same Lord, and the same God. And what we need to see here in verse 7 is that the manifestations, the way the Holy Spirit would manifest himself in this way, it's given to each, and it's done for the profit of who? all. It's given to each. I like this because sometimes we could be, you know, in, in some kind of setting and feel like left out, like I didn't get anything or I'm not part of that. Sometimes we could go, hey, I, I'm not included. Look, if you've asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, he has given you a gift. He has. And you could say, I, I don't know. I think I got left off the list. Not if you've accepted Christ. You're on the list. And he gives to each. Each one gets something. Now, there are some, and don't they make you sick? Those people, <laughs> I mean that in the nicest way. <laughs> I mean, there are some people that are so insanely gifted in so many ways. And you just go, come on. You know, I remember when I started serving the Lord, uh, you know, I got involved in youth ministry, and the other guy that was there with me, he was a great teacher, and then, and then he was an amazing worship leader, and he could administrate, and, and so he was organized, and he had this, just this gift for just connecting with people and communicating and talking, and he was able, he was just this visionary, he's like, you know where I could see this youth ministry go, man, I could see this, and I'm like, I don't see any of that, <laughs> and it seems like it's all from the Lord, and I'm like, all I know how to do is stand up here and talk about the Bible. That's all I know how to do. But like organization, I remember my buddies used to always tell me, they're like, okay, we're going to help you email because you are so unorganized. Like you need, if you're going to lead this ministry, we need you to lead us. You know, and I just thought, God, I'm not gifted in any of these things. And so that is okay that some have more than others. Okay. And it's not a thing where we go, that's no fair. We could rejoice in the Lord and we'll talk about that later in the chapter. But each one is given something. So we all have something, but listen to what it's for. 
It's not so that we could boast in the gift and go, well, look at me. But he says, it's given to each one for the profit of all. This is the context that spiritual gifts are to be exercised within. That we all have something, and it's for not just our own benefit, but for the benefit of everyone. And we'll talk about what happens when this is done incorrectly, when we pick back up in verse 12. But we need to understand this because this this little phrase about given by the Spirit, given by the Spirit, kind of as He wills for you guys. You know, it's going to feel like it's repeated in this chapter because it is about five times. So now let's look at some of these gifts. Now, if you want a little more of the gifts, note takers, you could write down Ephesians 4. You'll find some gifts there. You could also write down Romans 12. You'll find some gifts there. And those seem to be more of the ongoing gifts, kind of the offices, like someone who might be administrative or the gift of helps or teaching or, or giving. Those kind of seem to be ongoing ones. The gift of mercy you'd find in Romans. Here it would look like we're looking at more of manifestations, things that can kind of just for that point in time be used through a believer as the Lord fills him with his Holy Spirit. There are some people that seem to have these things ongoing. Um, I'll say a couple of these things I've noticed uh, God has done in my life uh, multiple times uh, that would seem to be a manifestation, but not all the time. Okay, and that's why we could talk about it that way. And so it says to one, verse eight, is given a word of wisdom through the Spirit. And we'll notice that all of these just about, we'll say, through the Spirit. These are not just natural things. These are supernatural things where God intervenes, where he comes in, where the Holy Spirit fills us and gives us more than is normal. He says a word of wisdom. This would be the ability to speak wisdom, the wisdom of God, especially in an important situation. And examples of this in the scripture would be, if you remember Solomon, do you remember King Solomon? That they come to him and they've got this baby, these two babies, one alive, one dead. How do we know which one's really, you know, who really owns the kid and whose kid is it, you know? And, and, and you go, well, I could try this, but, you know, there's no birth certificates in those days. And, and he goes, well, let's just cut the baby in half. The living one, let's just cut it in half and split it. And then you guys can, and, and one goes, you know what? Leave the baby alive, let her have it. And the other one goes, yeah, cut it in half. He goes, okay, you're the mom. <laughs> if you really care about the life of the child, you must be the mother. And that, it was supernatural. Or Joseph, do you remember Joseph in Egypt? When the Lord was with Joseph in Egypt, and he, not only does he get the vision that there's going to be a famine, but he has the answer of how we can make this work. Take the seven years of plenty and let's set aside this much of it. And when we set aside this much, that'll be enough to get us through the famine years. That's a supernatural type of wisdom. The second he says here is, is a word of knowledge. That would be the ability to have or to give knowledge that could only be supernatural. Uh, in Acts 21, there's a guy who, who's able, and this could be close to prophecy as well, but this word of knowledge where this guy named Agabus takes this, this belt and he goes, you know, whoever owns this belt, he's going to be bound like this. And he's going to, you know, you're, and basically telling Paul, you're, you're going to be bound at some point. I've seen this happen in a, in a personal way in sometimes uh, what we'd kind of call here, you know, in our kind of family of churches, you know, sometimes when we go to camp or retreat or something, we have like an afterglow and we take a time of just sitting, waiting on the Lord. And, and I've seen times that some people would have just this word of knowledge, like, hey, there's somebody in here and, and this is what's going on right now. And this is what the Lord says about that. And, and, and you're like, how could you have known that that's what was going on? And the Lord knows. Again, not, not so that the person who said it could go, <laughs> you see that? I know everything. It's so that, it's so that what? So that the body can benefit. It's for the profit of all. Then he says next, another faith. Did you realize that's a gift from the Lord? It's a manifestation of the Spirit to be able to, not just the common faith we all have for salvation, but this ability to trust beyond what is normal. Do you remember when the Lord said to Peter, uh, or when, when Peter says to the Lord, hey, if that's you walking on the water, call me out there. <laughs> that takes quite a bit of trust in the Lord, doesn't it? To say, yeah, I think, yeah, I'll go, I'll go walk out on the water with you. 
It's faith. And he walked out there trusting in the Lord uh, in, in not necessarily present day, but definitely more recent. Uh, you could look at the memoirs or, or even the autobiography of a guy named George Mueller who ran orphanages on nothing but faith, right? He just prayed. He had no money, but he took care of all these orphans and, and whatever the need was, you know, and, and if, you've, if you know the stories, it's like, Lord, the orphans don't have milk this morning. And sure enough, the, the milk truck would break down right out in front and go, hey, all the milk's going to spoil. You guys need some milk today? Sure we do. You know, or, or the bakery goes, hey, we've got all this bread. We've got nothing to do with it. Perfect. We were praying for bread this morning, you know. And so all these things are ways that we would trust in the Lord. Uh, and he says the next one would be gifts of healing. Now, I do want to say there are some and maybe even some in this room um, that, that would say that, you know, I don't know that these things can, can still happen. Uh, I, I really feel like, like that time has ceased where these gifts would be active these kind of supernatural types. I will say that nowhere in the scripture do we find a place that there's a, a line drawn where God says, oh, by the way, these types of gifts will, will end at this point. And, uh, and when we get into 1 Corinthians 13, we'll talk about exactly where that is uh, or what they might say in regards to that. But uh, as a church, uh, we certainly believe that if the word of God is written, to us in this way, that these things are still active today. And not just because we've seen it, because we have seen it, but because the word of God says it. That's why. But I will say, we have seen it. And especially as it comes to this gift of healing, you know, I, I, I laugh sometimes when we think of, you know, healing or, or, or certain things that we go, well, it only counts, you know, if God heals like a, a big thing, you know, it's only, it, it only qualifies. And there's really no like line on that. Like if God heals a headache, that's not really a big deal. But if he heals cancer, now it's a big deal. And that counts as healing. You know what I mean? And we got to be, when we're, when we're thinking of the God who created the world in six days, is there really anything big or small for him? There's really not. So any type of healing, he says there is gifts of healing. And so this would be God's healing power working through an individual. And so we're looking mostly at the side of the one doing the healing, laying their hands on somebody. It could also be on the receiving uh, end. But Acts chapter 3, do you remember Paul and, uh, excuse me, Peter and John? They walk up and the lame guy thinks he's going to get some money from them. They go, you know, we don't have silver or gold. But what we do have is in the name of Jesus, why don't you go ahead and stand up and walk? And you don't have to beg anymore. And the guy gets power in his legs to stand up and walk. And we see this many times in the ministry of Jesus. We've, we, and, you know, again, I think in, in a room this size, there's probably some people that can testify to, to seeing the healing hand of the Lord. The next one... Uh, is miracles. He says the working of miracles in verse 10, uh, the, the word, and I can't pronounce it in the Greek, but it would be something along the lines of, of dynamis, dynamis, uh, which is like acts of power, that same power kind of that it speaks about in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, dunamis, but really that dynamite power. Uh, it's when the Holy Spirit decides somehow to override the regular laws of nature. We see it with Jesus when he dries the fig tree, right? When he curses the fig tree, and it says that the next day it was dried out from the roots. That's something that has to only be supernatural. It doesn't follow the laws of nature. One of the things we would see is like casting out of demons. That's a miraculous thing. Uh, but usually, and we'll see this, healings, miracles, and faith seem to always be closely connected and almost associated one with another. They don't have to be, but usually we do see them working in a group. The next one is prophecy. And prophecy is the telling forth of God's message in a situation. Sometimes it could deal with foretelling, but mostly it's forthtelling what God's word is. And it works in a, in a specific situation. You know, we, we see that there are times that it has to do with the future, but most of the time it's just God's word being spoken in the right situation, and it's a word from the Lord. And always, listen here, always prophecy will be in line with the whole of Scripture. There will never be a point that prophecy gets outside of what is currently written in the Bible. Okay? 
that it's like, yeah, it's going to happen that, you know, God's going to change everything he said, and he's going to come do things this way now. It's like, mm, doesn't say that in the Bible. So it doesn't even line up with the heart of God. So that's not prophecy, you know. That's not going to work out in that way. Then there's the discerning of spirits. This would be the ability to tell the difference between true and false doctrine, what is of the Holy Spirit, what is not, uh, to be able to say, yep, that's right, and inbounds, that's wrong, that's out of bounds. You remember this discernment really showed up in Acts chapter 5 with this couple that starts lying to the Holy Spirit, and they go, um, you shouldn't lie to the Holy Spirit that way, and then they drop down dead. So that's a different kind of miracle. We, uh, we don't really try to do that a whole lot these days. But discerning of spirits. And, 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 you know, there are some that the Lord just gives this ability to be able to see through something. I'm so grateful. I don't have a lot of this, okay? And it just doesn't, the Lord doesn't manifest. And maybe it's so I can love people more, you know, I don't know. But, but there's some people that go, hey, Watch out for that. Watch out for what? They're a nice guy, you know? Everything's great about it. Keep your eyes open. It's like, and sure enough, you know, later it's like, oh, yeah, that totally was not of the Lord. Okay, I get it. You know, they did have ulterior motives or something like that. And I'm really grateful for the people that God has in the church that he does this with. And again, it's not so that that person could say, see, I told you. It's so that the body can be benefited by someone that says, watch out for that. You know, whether it's a new wave of doctrine that's trying to sweep through the church and, and this is the new thing and all the churches are doing it and there's somebody that goes, that's not of the Lord. That's not of him. Oh, sure it is. How could it not be of him? Look at all the people coming. Look how fun this thing is. And it's like, no, it's not of the Lord. And then sooner or later, you, saw the, you see the thing start crumbling. You go, oh, okay, I guess it was not of the Lord. Then he talks about the gift of tongues. Now, this is where most people begin to get weirded out. Because this is a different personal language of prayer that is given by God to communicate with him beyond the limits of our own knowledge or understanding. We, we kind of reach a wall, a ceiling maybe, in our own t- uh, communication with the Lord. Right? We're limited by the English language, so many of us. There's a, a prayer language that we can pray in that ministers to the, to the Lord. And not always completely understood. I remember this old song that said, um, uh, we will use the words we know, God, to tell you what an awesome God you are, but words are not enough to tell you of our love. So listen to our hearts. And there's a way that the heart begins to communicate with the Lord that transcends the mind. And it's, and it's just this different manifestation of the Spirit. We see it in Acts 2. We see it also in Acts chapter 19. However, I will say this. This is not a sign uh, or, or, or a gauge of whether you are saved or whether you are filled with the Spirit. There have been uh, some abuses of this where people say, if you haven't spoken in tongues, you probably have not been filled with the Spirit. I have known people that have been filled with the Spirit all of three minutes, and they're speaking in tongues. And I have known people who have been filled with the Spirit for over 30 years and go, I've never spoken in tongues. So it's not, it's like, well, then maybe you should ask again, because with me, it happened after three minutes. And so you just, you just, you don't have enough faith. And all of a sudden, it become this condemning thing. And that's exactly what Paul is speaking against here. That there would be this looking down on another because you don't have the gift I have, you know. And we'll talk about the body as I kind of speed up just a little bit now. <laughs> the interpretation of tongues, next, is, is, is something that would probably happen in a corporate setting. And it allows the gift of tongues to be uh, used so that someone else can understand what is said. That there are times that in the corporate setting... Chapter 14 will tell us how this works, that it always must be done decently and in order, that, that two speaking in two should never be speaking in tongues at the same time in the corporate setting. And, and if it does happen and someone does speak in tongues, it needs to be interpreted in the corporate setting. Otherwise, people are going, I don't know. I'm totally lost. That's a really weird sounding thing that's happening right now. And someone, the Lord will give them a gift of interpretation, and they'll say it's along the lines of of this, and it always has to do with praise towards God, tongues, and its interpretation of them. Now, verse 11 says this, but one and the same Spirit 
works all of these things, and he distributes to each one individually just as he wills. You see, all the gifts are by him and they are through him. And God's ways, listen, gang, are above our ways. So sometimes we can go, you know which gift I think I should have right now? And God goes, I'll give you the one that you need to have right now. Because son, because of the way we're built, might begin to puff us up, right? If someone were to have a dynamic healing ministry, they could all of a sudden lose their identity as just a Christian and their new identity is the healer, right? Or the word of knowledge guy, right? Or, or the one who's got all the discernment. And it's like, hey, remember, the main thing is Jesus. That's the main thing. The gifts that he gives, he'd just as soon give it to another. And what I do want to say is this, that, that gifting does not always mean or equal maturity. Again, I've known people, they've been filled with the Spirit for three minutes, and they're exercising these gifts, and you're like, and then, you know, things could start getting out of whack, and so this is not a, a prerequisite or a criteria to serve the Lord. Well, I speak in tongues. I, I could start serving, and it's like, uh, no, we... We want to see maturity, and so if and what I love about this is that you could see in First Timothy chapter one that he talks about being faithful to the Lord is what is what gives us the opportunity to minister on His behalf, and, and also First uh, Timothy three would speak to that uh, also as a pastor. But see what was happening in Corinth is there was this this tendency to think you know, separate each other based on the gifts, competing with one another as if the gifts might have come from different gods. And so they are not exclusive. It's all part of the body. And so I know it's simple, but we're going to talk about the body because it says in verse 12 now, as we move on, it says, for as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that body being many are of one body, are one body. So is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether we were Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all have been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Or, and if the ear should say, well, because I'm not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body, listen, just as he has pleased. Verse 19, and if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members and yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body that seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which seem to be less honorable, on these we bestow a greater honor and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need, but God has composed the body, having given greater honor to the part that lacks it. Listen to this in verse 25, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually, and God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet I will show you a more excellent way. Isn't that beautifully explained by Paul? That the gifts, he explains what the gifts are. We talked about how they kind of work. But he says, let me show you how they operate. Let's look at the body. Now, he says, the body has many members, but it's still just one body. And there's two things, one in verse 15 and the other in verse 21, 
that he says there's no room within the body to be self-conscious and there's also no room in the body to be self-promoting. You see in verse 15 he says, you know, if the foot should say, you know, I'm not a hand, so I'm not of the body. He says, is it really not of the body? Or, or again, if the ear would say, well, I'm, I'm not an eye, so I'm not of the body. In a purely physical sense, isn't that silly? That the hand would go, or the foot would say, well, I'm not a hand. Well, that's good. Because I like the way my feet behave. You, you, you see, right now, my feet are doing a great work. <laughs> As I stand here, some of you, your feet get to rest a little right now, but my feet are doing a great work in what we're doing up here right now. And, and if the ear would go, well, I'm not an eye, that's fine. I don't need eyes right here. I need to hear from here. Because if we were to take one away and make it something else, now all of a sudden we have a lack, don't we? Right? If I had two eyes here and two eyes here, Great, I could see a little more, but I still can't hear anything. So there is a very important position for the ears. Now, in the same way, though, as we, and, and again, in verse 18, it says, so God has set the members, each one of them, as he has pleased, right? It's good that the ears do the ear thing. It's good that the eyes do the eye thing. It's really good that the nose does the nose thing, right? And it's good that the teeth do the teeth thing, and it's good that the, and we'll get into the, the, the non, you know, kind of presentable parts or the things that have greater protection even within our body. But everything's doing something. He says, though, that, that you can't get self-promoting either. In verse 21, it says that the eye can't look at the hand and go, hey, I, I don't need you. You don't do what I do. You're not nearly as good as I am. The eye is so, I mean, you look at a cross-section of the eye, and it is, wow, right? I mean, you see the way the eye works. I mean, it is so more, far more technologically advanced than the hand. The hand's pretty boring when you compare it to the eye. But the hand isn't called to do what the eye does. And even though the eye is so sophisticated, it can't do what the hand does, right? You try replacing your hand with an eyeball, see how far you get. And so the hand says, the, the, the eye, he goes, the eye can't look at the hand and go, hey, I don't, I don't need you. Or he says, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Because if the feet call in sick, if the feet go, I'm out of here. You tell me how that brilliant brain is going to get from point A to point B, right? And so just because one might have more, you know, again, it, it's, it's way more complex the way the brain works. That's so much better. Or the eye, or, or we see certain things. And those other things, they're just, you know, hands and feet, you know. You know, the hands play a crucial role in a lot of things. Because I'll tell you, the hands go on strike for about four weeks, you know, how are you going to eat? You know, the hand could be like, hey, eyes, you won't even work anymore because I could kill the whole thing if I quit. Now, it's not that the hand goes, I'm more important, you see. No, 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 careful hand. Just because you were attacked by the eyes doesn't mean you attack back because he talks later about if one member suffers, they all suffer. When one is exalted, we all rejoice. But he talks about too, he says, then, then verse 22, no, much rather those members of the body that seem to be weaker, they're necessary. The, the members of the body that seem to be less honorable, we give them greater honor, honor. And our unpresentable parts, they have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, giving, having given greater honor to the part that lacks it. You know, there's some body parts that we have like inside of us that we never really give them any attention. Aren't you glad they do their jobs? You know, in a, in a moment like right now, I'm really glad my lungs do what they're doing. And I don't know how the voice ends up coming out. I'm not a science person. But I know something has to happen with my lungs for me to stand up here and talk. I think it's the lungs. Jim, is it my lungs? 
or diaphragm or something like that. I don't know how that works. But somehow it works. And thank God it does. Right? Some of you are like, no, not thank God it does. <laughs> Maybe you could end sooner. Um, okay. But there's things that are happening inside the way my liver behaves, right? And my spleen and just these weird things that go on inside. If they stop doing their job, and some of us know this, right? That we've had members of our bodies that have quit on us. And what has to happen? You run straight to the hospital to get those things working again. He says, verse 25, that there would be no schism or division in the body. But that the members should have the same care for one another. You see, that's the goal, is that the body would care for itself. And if one member suffers, all the members would suffer with it. Let me tell you guys just quickly that the body needs itself to function and the same is true within the body of Christ. That when one member suffers or even if members don't do their job, the body suffers. I remember, and and please excuse me if you've heard this illustration before, this story before, but I think it bears repeating is when I used to work construction, uh, we used to have to compact the soil when we were done. And there's this uh, tool that you use. It's a, it's a pneumatic tool and you, you push this button. It's like a long stick with this big old metal foot at the bottom and it just shoots back and forth. And so you, you pull the trigger and you start compacting and it was in a small little space. And so I'm trying to compact and move my feet around and sure enough, because, you know, I don't listen and wear steel-toe boots. Uh, one of those ones just kind of, boom, right off my little baby toe. And uh, I was black and blue all the way under my foot, and it was all the way on the top of my foot, and I, I was sure it was broken. And uh, it was so painful, but I had to keep going to work. And so what I noticed, though, is throughout the week, because I didn't want pressure on my toe, I started walking with my foot just in more than usual. Suzanne, you know what this is about right now. Um, she didn't smash her toe that way, but she's got a broken ankle, right? Yeah. So, so you move your foot just ever so slightly, and that's how we're doing life now, to, to protect the little toe. What began to happen after about two weeks' time is that my ankle started hurting, my calf started hurting, my knee started hurting, my, my, my you know, thigh started hurting, all the way up into my hip started hurting. Why? Because one little member couldn't do its job or wasn't doing its job. Let me tell you something within the body of Christ. When certain members aren't doing their job, the body strains. Because the work goes on. The the things that need to get done still need to get done. And so the body will do it. And I have found this in churches as small as 30 people all the way up to churches as big as 3,000 people. That there will usually be some who go, I don't really need to participate. I don't really need to do anything. And it causes others to do a little more. And I'm not saying this like, you know, why don't you guys start helping so my back doesn't hurt so bad. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that the body is built, that the body would care for itself. And I see it within individual ministries that this happens, that people go, I don't want to do that. I don't want to help in that way. I don't want to do what the hand does. I want to take my time off. And what we find is that there are people that are straining and they are dying on the vine because they're forced to do so much. And I will let the Lord minister that to you however he would like to. But I will tell you, there, will, there are always opportunities to serve. And we don't like to say, honestly, we don't like to make it a habit of saying in the church, and we need this or we need helpers here. We like to just tell you as a body, there's opportunities to serve. And, and we'll continue to serve. And I remember having this vision 
and again, you may have heard this before, of just this stick figure body, just a black stick figure body, and these red lines coming off different parts of the body, these, these parts of pain just radiating, parts of strain that are radiating, right? Where it's coming off the elbow, it's coming off the back, it's coming off the knee. Guys, I think God wants to do a great work in and through us as a church. But, but it's hard to go take on new ground or take on new things, new avenues of ministry when there's some in the body that are straining really hard. And so one of the first things I would ask is that we would be people who pray and say, God, would you, would you help those in the body? Because again, if one member suffers, we all suffer with it. But then he says, if one member is honored, all members rejoice with it. There's nothing better than when we see the body working together, right? When it's like, hey, we do this and we do that. And it's not better, it's not worse, but we all do our part. And all of a sudden, we notice that it's like, man, look at, look at, look at what, what, what a healthy body can do. And you know this. If you have been at some point in your life unhealthy or, you're, or you've dealt with a, a long-term injury, even a short-term injury, and when your body gets healthy again, don't you kind of go like, yeah, yeah, this is fun. This is good. I didn't realize it could be so good. I forgot life could be this good, Right? And, and I've seen it in the church that when, when you have a ministry that's just suffering and you're like, man, we're straining, it's so hard. And God brings the right people, at, you know, the different types of gifts. And all of a sudden things are moving, the people are being ministered to. And, and I remember looking at my buddies one time as we served in youth ministry together. I go, did you know we could have this much fun serving the Lord? Did you know it could go this well? Because <laughs> for years we've been terrible at this. I mean, terrible. And, and now, look it, there's somebody with, with an administrative gift, because I don't have it. And there's somebody who can lead worship, because I can't do that. There's someone with the gift of mercy. You need that in youth ministry, man. You need somebody that's got the gift of mercy that could be like, yes, I realize you've done this for the thousandth time, and we love you. And, they, and they're the ones that sit and pray and counsel. And then, and, and then there's enough teachers to teach both high school and junior high separately, you know? Because they are different ages. And there's all these things that are happening within the youth ministry. And you're going, man, this is what the body feels like when it's going. Yeah, let's rejoice together. Man, thank you so much for what you bring to the table. And thank you for what you bring to the table. And thanks for the way all these things work together. And there's some things, guys, about the body they're not really seen. You know, there's people that come in here throughout the week so that you don't have to look at trash all over the floors. There's people who come in and clean the restrooms so that, so that you don't walk in and go, Gross. And aren't we grateful for that? We don't go, oh, that's less. That's so much less. No, it's just as valuable. And there's people in the back right now. And you know if you have young kids because you drop them off over there, right? Thank God for them. I've been in smaller churches. No fault of their own, but because there's not enough people to serve. I've been in smaller churches where the kids have to stay in the whole time in the big church. And during worship, and it's such a distraction, right? When you got some kids running this way and running that way and doing this and doing that, and you're like, hey, behave like a 12-year-old even though you're five. Come on, you know? And, and it's so good. Let me tell you, I love that we have people that love our children here that will go into those classrooms back there and not just babysit. They don't just babysit. They teach our kids about Jesus, and they teach them doctrine, and they teach them what they ought to behave like. And it's beautiful. But I'll tell you, there's always a need for more. Because there are some people back there that are straining. And so if one member suffers, we all suffer with it. If one member uh, uh, is honored, all the members rejoice with it. He says, now you are the body of Christ. You're members individually. And he says this, and God has appointed these in the church. You know, there's apostles, prophets, teachers, there's guys who do miracles, there's gifts of healings, helps, administrations, there's a variety of tongues. He says this, and this is where we can take some comfort. It, just in case we're tempted to go, but I don't have that gift. Or I don't have multiple gifts. He says in verse 29, are all apostles? You know, these are some rhetorical questions that obviously have an answer of no. 
Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? Well, of course not. Are, are, do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? He says, but, but earnestly desire the best gift. Do you know what the best gift is? Don't answer. The best gift is the one that God has given you to use in the situation he's called you to use it. That's the best one. Now, what I love about chapter 13 that comes next, he says, yet I'll show you a more excellent way. Not a more excellent gift. He's going to show us the way these gifts ought to be used. And it's what? Love. A genuine love for one another a genuine love for the Lord Jesus, that, that that is the way these gifts are to be used. Because I love my brother, I want to help him in the way he serves the Lord or the way he uses his gifts. But what's the gift? And so I, I will say this, guys. Pray and ask the Lord, Lord, what am I called to do? What is my gift? What are the different manifestations of that gift? Lord, how would you use me? Because in a group this size, I'm sure there are people that go, I don't know what it is. I don't know how I fit. I, you know, maybe I am something like a spleen, and I don't even know what a spleen does in the regular body. How would I know what it does in the body of Christ? I'm not trying to be funny, believe it or not. I'm not. I, there are times that we go, I don't know what I can do. We'll have prayer teams up here, and we won't give you the answer unless the Lord gives us a word of knowledge, but, but we'll pray for you if you go, I just want to start knowing what that gift might be. Come get prayer this morning for that. But man, we, may, may we be people, not, not you know, self-conscious about what God's called us to do, and oh, well, I don't do that. In the same way, not boasting, saying, well, you're not as good as me. But then in all things, we would show love for one another, that we would care for the body, that we would be a blessing to one another. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you and we thank you. We ask for your forgiveness, number one, for the times that we have done this wrong, for the times that, that we haven't honored you the, the right way with our gifts. And Lord, like a body, we want to behave like a body. Lord, where all the parts just serve one another, where all the parts work together. And we do pray, Lord, like that vision for those red marks within the body where there is pain radiating because the body is suffering. We pray, Lord, that you would, you would stir up our hearts, that if we're part of the answer to that radiating pain, that you would, you would enlist us in, in the service, Lord, to, to help with that. Lord, I love that it's not necessarily great gifting that you're looking for, but, but sometimes, Lord, just availability to use the gifts we already know we have. But I pray for this group here today, Lord, for all of us, that you would reveal our gifts to us so we would know how to use them. And Lord, we pray that you would speak to us. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need prayer, come on up.